The message, you know, again, for Harris, he, he was obsessed with natural selection. He was obsessed with Nazism. Um, but he had the television. Now we have YouTube. Uh, so there's no barriers to getting that message out. Uh, so the medium is the message, that old saying, um, and the type is always changing. So we can see that these, uh, these massacres, these terrorist acts are going to change with the culture, with the um, technology. Consciousness. The notion of the self. Personality structure. Transactional analysis. Symbiosis. Zen Buddhism. Teacher-student. Relationships. Training yourself in how to think. To subvert is to undermine the existing system of inscribed power and authority. What's happening in the digital space. The virtual world. Much of us live in a hyper-stimulated present where language itself has become the info currency in the sequence of corporate capitalism. The injunction of the virtual world is... The gatekeepers of our speech and written word are global tech monopolies. We cannot transcend or go beyond our lack through craving. What are we going to do? How are we going to live our life? The subversive therapist is about what the virtual world is doing to us and what we can do about it. Episode 2 is an online lecture Andrew gave in December of 2022. In this lecture, you'll hear Andrew analyze the 1999 Columbine Massacre using transactional analysis. Eric Harris's nihilism, arrogance, and psychopathy matched perfectly with the sense of futility and suicidality of Dylan Klebold. Together, the psychological games they played became increasingly dangerous. Ultimately, the April 20th massacre in Colorado was a heavily planned military bombing that failed. The aim was to terrorize the nation as the boys ascended in the history books as the top guns. I'm really just going to merge uh, my research on Columbine and mass shooters specifically with the transactional analysis um, concepts. First thing, um, talking about what happened uh, in, on April 20th, 1999, uh, before we get into kind of the transactional analysis, just thinking about uh, the media. You know, it was uh, in 1991 during the Gulf War that the 24-hour news cycle, things like CNN, Fox News really took off, where people were glued to their uh, TV set when Desert, Desert Storm was happening. Uh, but the Columbine massacre really cemented that. Uh, now there's not even 24-hour news there's just uh perpetual news uh you can get it at any time all the time but it's not of course through the television uh the things i remembered about the event before i started reading about it was uh you know dylan and eric were part of this trench coat mafia they wore trench coats and there was a group of them etc uh, they were targeting jocks because they were being bullied um, and there was this story about uh, a person that during the event was supposedly asked if she believed in God and when she said yes um, she was shot. So all of those things turned out to be not true. Uh, there was a trench coat mafia at the school but Dylan and Eric were not part of it. They did wear trench coats uh, during the massacre but that was because they could put weapons in them, bombs in them, that kind of thing. 
they weren't targeting anyone. Uh, there was one African American that it, it seems like they shot him specifically because he was black. But they weren't going around shooting jocks. They weren't shooting people in certain hats. What happened was <clears throat> the, there were all these real-time interviews. The, the, the event was being recorded by helicopters flying around, um, tons of reporters asking students, you know, in real time as they exited the building and things, what was happening. And students were sharing information from other students, passing it on to the media. And it seemed like they were informing the media, but a lot of the media information was put towards the students, and it was all wrong. The, uh, there wasn't this martyr event. Someone else was asked if she believed in God, and they didn't shoot her. But she was sitting uh, right by this person that was killed. And, and that story just didn't line up. But the um, large evangelical Christian um, presence in, in Colorado Springs, um, they took that, that martyr story, and they ran with it. The person's mom wrote a book. I mean, it was this big thing. And the point is, <clears throat> is that getting all of this information in real time actually doesn't get us closer to the truth um, in these situations. It gets us farther away. The book that I read uh, by Dave Cullen is was titled Columbine, and it was published in 2009. So he spent 10 years. He was one of the first reporters at the scene. 10 years researching this so you can't just by watching it on tv and of course i'm making a connection with now the mass shooters um, that are taking place is like we're getting this information right as the shooting is happening sometimes the shooters are filming uh, live streaming um, these events the other thing just the idea i mean i'm sure you remember columbine as a mass shooting it was a bombing that failed. They were replicating the Oklahoma City bombing, trying to kill hundreds and hundreds of people, but their explosives didn't go off. They had just uh, read things like the Anarchist Cookbook um, or Manifesto. I can't remember what it's called, but uh, they were doing all this stuff on their own, researching it on the Internet, uh, but a lot of the bombs failed. They only went in shooting people because their strategy, their plan didn't work. I was a, it's a horrific story, a lot of anguish for me reading that book, but I think it's important to learn about this past to see what's happening here in the future. I'll get into that. Um, and Baudrillard uh, had an understanding of this uh, decades ago, uh, that the, the news, the information, because it's so close to the actual event doesn't actually create a narrative that's true what happens is you get a consensus of what happened so everybody thinks the same thing I mean if you look at the the newscast the TV um, news um, reports on this they're all saying the same thing and they're all saying the same falsehoods so he uses a an analogy to a EEG which is measuring the brain waves um, is like across time, if you stretch out those measurements, it just becomes flat. The farther and farther you stretch that out, you, if you close up, you can see these little spikes and changes. But the news is, especially now with social media and perpetual uh, news that you have access to, 
it's the same repeating uh, the same. And of course, there's not a lot of depth and research to that because it's the matter of uh, seconds, minutes when these stories come out. Okay, so there's a real um, dense kind of profile in uh, the book Columbine. And from what I understood of that reading and in many of these mass shooters is that Eric uh, was, he was a military brat, his dad was a major uh, in the Marines, and he had this position of, I'm okay, you're not okay, which means uh, sort of narcissistic, self-centered, it's an arrogant position, so he's superior to other people, other people are inferior. Now this is what I call, um, when I draw it up with people, I call it the politician, because he's gonna get what he wants and he's gonna lie to people, he's gonna manipulate people, con others, but he really had this revolutionary thinking that he was gonna change the world by this mass terror event. People were gonna know his name and be remembered uh, forever. He had this, you know, love of Nazis and, and social Darwinism and that kind of thing. And so this is what I think of as a kind of Top Gun script. The best of the best, the elite, you know, the strong survive, the weak die off. And he, he literally wanted to be a Marine, but he's filled with this rage. The most common word on his website that he created and in his journals, excuse me, was hate. And so I'll talk more about this uh, as we go. Um, his friend Dylan, on the other hand, uh, his position was, I'm not okay, you're not okay. This sense of futility, uh, this sense of despair. He was depressed for years. He thought about suicide for um, probably two years before the actual event happened. That's another thing is that this event was planned over a year and a half. They didn't just throw this together. It was a military operation. Uh, but, but Dylan was this brainiac. He's very smart. He didn't have a lot of close friends. He's on IM late into the night by himself. Uh, he just kind of was managing um, the status quo uh, as opposed to the, the politician that's you know, manipulating and getting what he wants without a conscience. You know, Dylan very much had a, had a conscience and I, it seemed that he just sort of went along with Harris's plans. He's named after a poet who died at a young age. So he had this kind of love and tragedy sort of script. Um, he had this, this girl that he barely even knew and really talked to, but he thought if he could just get her to fall in love with him, he was going to feel okay. So it's kind of this Romeo and Juliet sort of tragic um, love story, you know, more of like a fairy tale for him. But he he was sort of destined in his mind to die and to die uh, by suicide. So these two are just a, like a yin and yang uh, coming together uh, that created this, this massacre. Um, like I already said, uh, the sense of being not okay and other people are not okay is, uh, is bound to create despair because yeah, nothing's gonna change. There's nothing I can do, you're powerless, that kind of thing. Um, the people that enter my office usually feel okay and they think I'm okay and other people are more okay than themselves. Um, but like I already mentioned, uh, this Top Gun script is, you know, uh, you win, quote unquote win, 
through competition and violence and you're going to get the bad guy because you're the good guy this is kind of a, a self-righteousness to it uh, but just think of the the movie characters from top gun or the or the recent uh, top gun maverick uh movie uh there's not a lot of empathy not a lot of dialogue it's just sort of revenge we're gonna get these um bad guys or challenge people so i think what was going on was uh dylan and eric had this sense of despair they didn't know where their life was really going uh they didn't have close connections with people and so they they didn't have a way to to voice what was going on in their experience with other people in the world so they spent felt despair and the way to get out of that was to uh move to this more superior position uh dylan very much felt like he was inferior to other people um but i imagine the way eric was raised in this military household uh that he was scripted around uh, violence and, and certainly guns and explosives. One of his first memories is from the 4th of July when he was a kid um, and he hid. He hid from the, from the uh, explosives going off and so I think he was trying to fight against that fear and he was going to dominate people. Um, the I'm okay, you're okay, uh, you basically say you're going to deal with and solve um, your problems. It's not the other people that are not okay or yourself. It's just that um, you're okay with yourself, you're okay with other people, so you have to find solutions um, to do that. So again, what my uh, perspective is on this, and feel free to, if you have questions or, or comments as we're going, throw them in the chat, is the present day, or at least in the 21st century, the mass shooter, um, it doesn't feel okay to feel like um, some like some source of lack uh, like all of us do uh, this is on a continuum but other people are not okay so they don't have connections with people uh, and they are not okay meaning there's a lot of times manifestos racist manifestos or this um, social Darwinian, meaning the survival of the fittest mentality, you know, because we evolved through evol evolution, they tie this in an extreme, extreme logic, uh, like Eric Harris did, is like that he's gonna kill all of my mankind because they're all these witless um, idiots. So if you're okay, but nobody else is okay, then it doesn't matter what you do because you're just trying to elevate yourself and now we have social media platforms that facilitate and really accelerate that elevation because you can go viral in a, in a moment's time but it is that that grandiose idea that they're going to be okay through being this mass shooter with really large quote-unquote body counts of people and they're comparing and they're researching other mass shooters uh, as they um, prepare to do um, this act. But I wanted to put this up here because it is not an individual um, act, especially if we look at Columbine that's so uh, researched and um, detailed is I see these mass shootings as psychological games, which means it's a relational process and there's other people involved and we're being scripted. That Top Gun script is really um, a cultural script is, you know, in American culture, there's no social safety net. 
Uh, it's the wild, wild west, so everybody can have a gun and protect themselves, not worry about um, anybody else. And so the, the, you know, the less sort of violent version of that is it's a celebrity culture. So you're gonna make it and feel good about yourself and be happy when you get things that you want, including fame and notoriety. So that's what most of these shooters are seeking. And it doesn't make any sense because all of all, almost all of them are suicide uh, missions. They're planning to be killed or kill themselves in the event. So why would you wanna be famous online? I mean, it doesn't make any rational um, sense but that it's a it's an act of revenge so like in columbine they weren't actually bullied but they wanted to get back at all these these losers these people that they thought were inferior to them um and a gun gives you that situational power uh that you become superior in a way if somebody walks up to you with a gun it's a enforced relationship you have to be in relationship with them because they have this power over you and because they feel powerless and a sense of despair they're going to make you feel what they feel you in, in the ta world it's called an enforced symbiosis so burn writes about this and says everybody must bow before me and be as much like me as inferior people uh can but if you if you watch the movie top gun or most of the the media you know I see it through my kids eyes because they watch cartoons and superheroes it's that idea that you compete and you use violence uh, to overcome the quote-unquote villain the bad guys and that's of course you know um, the message in a lot of our foreign policy things what happens um, in these wars and overseas the other thing about these um, shootings these these essentially terror attacks the columbine was very much a terrorist attack meaning that it was meant to promote fear uh they wanted everybody to be afraid uh for their lives parents be afraid to send their kids to school that kind of thing um and he harris and dylan both wrote about these things uh in in their journals um, and it was, this is a picture from Eric Harris's journal, he wanted to kill mankind. He wanted to be sort of the king, the strongest, um, and he thought he was superior. His journal was called the Book of God. Uh, he was a, an atheist, but he thought of himself as a god, and, and Dylan to some respects too. Now, also making a connection between the digital world and um, this Columbine situation, which was in 1999, so that was way, the internet had just been commercialized a few years before, way before um, social media. Um, so he couldn't, he didn't necessarily get this information out online. He did have a website with what he called quote unquote shit lists, people that he wanted to get back at, you know, this kind of uh, uh, revenge. But so they, they planned out how they were going to send this information to news stations. You know, that's a different form of media than now you can have your own platforms and profiles that you can instantaneously um, get that information out. So there was a different level of, uh, of planning uh, in this case. And I think a large amount of agitation 
for uh, both individuals. They, uh, and this was a, a slow process, which I'll show in the next few slides. It didn't just happen overnight. They didn't snap. That's kind of a myth about mass shootings in general. But because they were agitated and didn't know how to deal with it, I mean, most of them, or both of them were trying to get in relationships and they were getting denied, basically. So what do they do is just stockpile weapons, start making pipe bombs uh, and learning how to use napalm. Uh, the, when you're agitated, your thinking is confused. You're not um, necessarily thinking rationally. Uh, and if you, if you have this sense of despair, this powerlessness, um, you're trying to basically discharge that energy. So agitation is a passive strategy because the things you're doing, think of, of yourself, you get agitated, uh, fearful of something and you like clean uh, or you pace around in circles. That's not gonna solve whatever problem is going on for you. It's just because you have all this energy. Now, because agitation is a passive strategy, the next step is usually violence or incapacitation because that resolves this pent up, bound up energy. Uh, you become incapacitated, so that's suicide. Uh, you become violent, homicide. Like I already said, Dylan was very much uh, suicidal uh, and Eric really craved uh, murder. I've looked at script analysis very carefully over the last couple of years and I've kind of combined different scripts with people, with clients, thinking about what is the story of their life. So it's an abstract phenomenon. Uh, the script is basically the programming and decisions you made as a kid. But these gun, or excuse me, guns, these games are very much visible. Uh, I've talked in other lectures about the personality structure and ego states. They're observable. So transactional analysis is very actionistic, meaning we can apply it, we can see it happening. But the script is something you have to uh, use analysis to figure out. And, and so again, I think this is the kind of cultural scripting that the mass shooter takes to um, an extreme. Uh, they feel, you know, the, sh the Columbine kids felt justifiable because they, they experienced all these injustices in their mind. They sort of felt like victims. Uh, and with this sense of despair, what they were gonna do is sort of let somebody else have it, uh, create this fear, this terror attack uh, to be uh, notorious. But I think of you know, a lot of uh, politicians you know, resembling this kind of, uh, of scripting. I, I was reading sort of a biography um, not a biography, but a, a book about the Clinton years and some of the triangulation strategies and things that he did um, and was not honest about. He lied uh, quite a bit uh, because he wanted power and he wanted to uh, maintain power. So <clears throat> with Eric Harris, he has this Top Gun script. He's very narcissistic. There, there's a whole chapter saying that he's a psychopath. I don't know if that's um, true or not, but then he gets this other guy uh, who feels inferior, uh, suicidal, 
to go along with his plan. And who knows with all of this documentation, we have to remember that these are teenagers. Did did they mean everything they said and were put on paper that they put on paper? Did did Dylan specifically really think that this was going to take place? It's hard to tell, uh, but he definitely wanted to die according to um, his journals. Um, but he was more of a people pleaser. He was very quiet and timid versus this big charismatic personality of Eric Harris, who was very intelligent. His teachers liked his writing, even though there was tons of violence in it. And, and so this is a, a relational process that took place. But like I was saying, you know, the uh, America sees itself as the as the moral arbiter of the, the globe, that we're the, this, the hegemonic power uh, that justifies war and violence because we have to get uh, these bad guys, quote unquote, um, who aren't being morally correct. Uh, and this is, a, uh, there's a great short book uh, by Larry Ward, who's a, a Buddhist, um, he goes over some of this history that that means it's okay for us for example to take the land from the indigenous people that's okay uh to have um slaves people stolen from africa um and that actually within that he says who, who's a, a black man that the focus on race was just a smokescreen for basically imperialism um and uh and war um and sort of suppression of certain types of well seen types of people just people um okay i think that's what i want to say about that so in terms of these games the the columbine boys called them the missions and so they started out you know driving around with a bb gun and shooting at houses and probably spray painting stuff um, they stole a sign from a construction yard this is what burn would call cops and robbers is you're doing stuff that's illegal messing with the law coming close to getting caught eventually this this ramps up they do some petty theft they do some uh the things i just mentioned but then they drive up uh, in the mountains and see a van that uh, there's nobody in it. So they smash the windows. They take a bunch of equipment out of the van. Uh, they're sitting in their car. And of course, a, a sheriff or police officer rolls up on them and they get arrested. They do this diversion program. Excuse me. With that, the, the police were aware um, of these uh, kids and that they were experimenting with pipe bombs eric harris was threatening to kill different people online and, and the police were made aware of that and they didn't follow up uh this this affidavit process with the boys so this columbine uh i'd never heard this before researching it it very much could have and should have been prevented based on the information law enforcement had um you know, a specific family was calling and saying, listen, this kid's dangerous. He's doing these things. Uh, didn't happen. For um, the, uh, the game, if it wasn't for them, this is, uh, the idea is like um, two people are in a partnership, a marriage, for example, and you talk to one of them and they say, you know, this other person's controlling, they're dominating, domineering, that kind of thing. Essentially, if it wasn't for them, then they could 
do what they wanted to do. Um, the, the book by Eric Byrne is called Games People Play, and it's from 1964. So it's all, um, it's all uh, stereotypical male, um, female, which obviously isn't the case anymore. But he would use the example of a domineering husband who wouldn't let his wife go out dancing and do these things. Uh, so the, the wife would play this game if it wasn't for him. Uh, but actually how it worked for her was she was afraid to go out on her own. She was afraid to go dancing. So it worked for her in a sense to be with this domineering uh, person uh, because it prevented her from dealing with her own fears, that kind of thing. The, the boys constantly in their interactions were saying it wasn't for these types of people. And then, and then Harris gets into a Nazism and reading about the Jews. And so if it wasn't for these inferior people, uh, dot, 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 that's, the, that's how I'm seeing um, them from this very moralistic Darwinian position. Um, or the game, I can't stand it. I mean, they constantly said how they hated the world, uh, people were dumb, and they wouldn't even understand them. And, and that, that's really about having this agitation and pent up anger that you can't deal with. I mean, I hear it in more subtle levels from clients in terms of school or the employment they have is that essentially they can't stand it, but, but really they're afraid to leave. Sometimes, of course, for economic um, reasons, but usually uh, these kinds of games end in um, some form of violence or incapacitation. And you know, th these, these quotes from the book are just reinforcing this idea that it was a revenge plot. Uh, Eric was superior and he had to um, get these inferior people as part of his his logic. The other game uh, is called Kick Me. And the way it's described is uh, a person's wearing a sweatshirt that says, please don't kick me, which is inviting somebody to um, not literally kick them, but to uh, make fun of them or say something uh, that, that is a slight, uh, a put down, maybe even bullying. And then that person usually thinks or says to other people, this always happens to me. Uh, I got kicked by this other person, not necessarily realizing some of the things they were doing was inviting, like a, a real trivial example. I had a ponytail uh, a number of months ago. And what I figured out was if I put my hair up in a ponytail rather than down uh, with certain family members, they would make a comment about that. And I sort of knew uh, that they didn't, you know, none of them had long hair and that they might say something. And this wasn't like a big deal. I didn't get, you know, real hurt by it. But I could have just as easily worn a hat when I went to see these people or not put my hair up in a ponytail. I'm not saying that that's right or wrong. People should be saying that. But with Eric, it was very dramatic. He got into, like I said, uh, Nazism. Uh, he was yelling out, Sig Heil. Um, and his friends would just get pissed off and sick of it and so my guess is he got kicked um, and that would authorize him then to uh, sort of persecute and and condemn these people for messing with him this is my sense of it um, but the the kick me game can be played in different roles so dylan wasn't you know trying to go after people aggressive what he would do is he would just boil over uh, in some little transgression you know, somebody like kicks him and he freaks out. Uh, and so he plays more of the victim 
versus Eric being this persecutor, this superior, I'm better than you, arrogant, you know, politician kind of position. Dylan uh, is, is meeker and he's not gonna express his feelings. He needs somebody like Eric who uh, is sort of cool and charismatic because uh, that helps him not feel like such a loser, I think. Despite his, uh, his education, his, um, he was described as a brainiac, that kind of thing. Uh, the last game is, uh, I think, just self-explanatory. It's called Now I've Got You, You SOB. Uh, you probably know the, the words that go into that. Um, you, you save up all of this uh, anger, these injustices, these perceived injustices, and you become agitated and at a moment uh, of some kind of kick me or transgression or something happens, then you decide uh, in this self-righteous way that I'm gonna get back um, at you. And, and Durkheim didn't use the word agitation back in 1897, his book, Suicide, uh, but that acute overexcitement is the same idea, is that when people get agitated, when countries uh, get agitated, it is very dangerous because you're not thinking clearly, you're not thinking in a goal-directed way, and if you don't have any other strategies, you don't have people there uh, to support you with that agitation, this rage can't, comes out. Um, the really sad but interesting thing that happened with Columbine is, you know, they obviously had this rage going into the situation, but they could have killed many more people in that school. They, it's almost like they got bored of it. They kind of got somewhat um, lethargic maybe, um, but they had, they had kids trapped in the library and many classrooms, and this didn't last long. They went in around, I think, 11.15 in the morning, and they had killed themselves together uh, at about 12.15. Uh, the police didn't go in until hours later, so they could have just went around indiscriminately killing people, but they didn't do that. And my sense of that, based on my clinical experience, was this overexcitement, this agitation, um, was sort of uh, dissolved or, or went away. And so then they maybe came back to reality. I mean, they knew they were gonna die anyway, uh, but that's kind of as bad as it was, 15 people being killed, uh, the numbers could have been much higher. Like I said, if the bombs, they had propane tanks, they had gas uh, stored inside of their cars, they meant to have the whole school basically blow up and the, the news stations and everybody, the paramedics. And uh, if those would have went off, uh, it, we'd be talking about a very different um, experience. This quote is from uh, the book The Violence Project, which has a lot of details, statistics about mass shootings in the 21st century. Um, and I think I've already covered some of this. Uh, they really feel like they've been slighted, uh, they're the victims, and the stewing in that anger is storing the mad feelings, the injustices for this game, now I've got you. So the, the climax is the, the shooting, the bombing um, that happens as a way to resolve um, agitation. Uh, so it is th this restoration, like trying to get back to an equilibrium, um, and that the revenge is that striking back. 
So again, thinking about it as a relational process, it wasn't just Dylan and Eric. They had connectors, meaning people that could get them guns, that could get them ammunition, that could help them with explosives. And this is, this is documented. There, there were multiple different people that supported them in this. My guess is they didn't think they were planning a mass um, shooting, but I think if we would have asked these people in real time sort of what was going through their head they would just say well i was just trying to help them out i didn't really think they would uh do anything about it so there's a game called i'm only trying um to help you i think that was part of um what was going on but there's videos of course they made of um using these sawed off shotguns and and firing um and things and documented specifically this was meant um uh, to be shared the name that they applied for uh, the actual event was NBK, uh, the movie Natural Born Killers. That's what they were calling it. Uh, and the, there's this myth that they, they did it on 420 because it was the, I think, 110th anniversary of Adolf, Adolf Hitler's birthday. They would have done it on, on the Tuesday before, on the 19th. They just didn't have all the ammo. Um, that day so there, there's no indication that that had anything um, to do with it but the most common uh, day of the year for a mass shooting is March um, I'm sorry I said that <laughs> did a training a couple weeks ago and I said March again April 19th April 20th uh, 420 the most common day for a mass shooting is April 20th I already have it in my calendar that my kindergartner uh, is gonna have a daddy day on uh, April 20th that is probably paranoid but uh, I'm very concerned with all of this so <clears throat> the the mass shootings certainly Columbine was an exhibitionistic event they were performing this uh, massacre for all of the world to see um, is a made-for-tv um, event and so thinking about that back in 1999, we're going to continue, unfortunately, to see this violence. And I really don't think there are very many uh, solutions to it because it's going to continue to morph and change. Think about if you, if you grew up in the 20th century, there were serial killers, um, but they were secretive. There was this sort of hunt for them. They would leave clues. It was about getting in the newspaper. If you remember the Unabomber, you know, he got his manifesto published in the newspaper. So there, there's always been crime. There's always been murder. But it takes shape in different ways based on the, the medium for the message, the, the type of media um, that you send out. Um, but for, for Eric Harris, this was about maximizing terror, wanting everyone to be afraid. But this was for the television. So when we think of what is it gonna look like for uh, social media uh, platforms, I think there's gonna be less um, planning um, uh, more impulsivity you know the the event with the the walmart shooting uh not long ago the person bought the the gun and went to the their place of employment employment that day uh one thing i forgot going back to the connectors uh this guy primo in highland park in illinois his dad signed off on him to be able to get the gun despite all of his uh, suicidality and problems and things so you could think of him as a connector in that game for the uh, it was a July 4th shooting in, in near Chicago uh, this past uh, year I just heard about that um, on the news so it's a relational problem 
process. It's it's a media um, type as well in terms of getting this information out. And and so now that we live in this era of broadcasting ourselves, you know, broadcast yourself is the YouTube slogan. It's all about virality, fame, notoriety. We're making like Harris and Dylan did with all their videos and movies they made and documentation is like we're really building an empire of ourselves, and we want to dominate uh, space time, which online you can do at any uh, any moment's uh, notice. And this idea, you know, all the, all the kids that I work with want to be YouTube stars, you know, celebrities. It's grandiose. I mean, even if you do go viral on online, one of these platforms, you just have to stay on the platforms to keep that uh, notoriety going, keep your followers, um, that kind of thing. So just closing out here, uh, Franco Berardi has a really good book called Heroes about uh, mass shooters. And he says to the quote unquote, heroes uh, because they're just the extreme version of this social Darwinian, you know, this Top Gun script, how you're going to feel okay and happy about yourself if you win, if you make it to the top. And so the mass shooter uh, has that, that hero idea, that distorted hero idea in the moment. Uh, and then instead of, you know, the kill or be killed kind of evolutionary theory it's kill and be killed for the mass shooter they know they're gonna die so we have to remember uh, in in terms of the victims is that these massacres there is an immense amount of suffering even prior to the event that these um, mostly teenagers um, almost all men are suffering they're suffering from despair and what Brardy does is he links it to uh, the economic system uh, but he says here crime is an amplifier and a consolidator of fame only if you do something really gruesome will your narcissism find a lasting confirmation so you do this mass shooting uh, the message you know again for Harris he, he was obsessed with natural selection he was obsessed with Nazism um, but he had the television now we have YouTube uh, so there's no barriers to getting that message out uh, so the medium is the message that old saying um, and the type is always changing so we can see that these uh, these massacres these terrorist acts are going to change with the culture with the um, technology so hopefully that gives you a little window into transactional analysis thinking about it and what I hope is at least a somewhat familiar um, story with Columbine.